Hello, this is Jake Leahy reading the Supreme Court decision syllabus. The United States XRL Polanski versus Executive Health Resources, Inc. Before I read uh, the syllabus here, I want to read the footnote that is in the majority opinion uh, that Justice Kagan writes about the XRL and uh, what that means. Uh, that is why the caption in this case and other QTAM suits designates the plaintiff as United States XREL, the private party's name. XREL is short for Latin term ex relation, which means by or on the relation of, citing to Black's Law Dictionary. So here, the caption refers to the United States, by or in relation to allegations brought by Jesse Polanski, whom you will, you will meet in a little while. Now back to the syllabus. Certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit. Decided June 16th, 2023. The False Claims Act imposes civil liability on any person who presents false or fraudulent claims for payment to the federal government. The statute is unusual in authorizing private parties, known as relators, to sue on the government's behalf. Those suits, QTAM actions, are brought in the name of the government, Section 3730B1, and the injury they assert is for the government alone. But in one sense, a QTAM suit is for the relator as well as the government. If the action leads to a recovery, the relator may receive up to 30% of the total, citing to sections 3730B1 and 3730D1 through 2. Because a relator is no ordinary plaintiff, he is subject to special restrictions. He must file his complaint under seal and serve a copy in supporting evidence on the government. See 3730B2. The government then has 60 days often extended for good cause, to decide whether to intervene and proceed with the action. Section 3730B2-3. through 3. If the government elects to intervene during that so-called seal period, the action shall be conducted by the government. Otherwise, the relator gets the right to conduct the action. See sections 3730B4A through B. But even if the government passes on intervention, it remains a real party an interest. See United States versus Eisenstein versus City of New York. And it retains continuing rights. Most relevant here, the government can intervene after the seal period ends so long as it shows good cause to do so. In this case, the relator, Petitioner Jesse Polanski, filed a QTAM action alleging that Respondent Executive Health Resources helped hospitals overbill Medicare. The government declined to intervene during the seal period, and the case spent years in discovery. Eventually, the government decided that the varied burdens of the suit outweighed its potential value, so it filed a motion under Section 3730C2A, subparagraph 2A for short, which provides that the government may dismiss the action notwithstanding the objections of the relator, so long as the relator received notice and an opportunity for a hearing. The district court granted the request, finding that the government had thoroughly investigated the costs and benefits and come to a valid conclusion. 
the Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit affirmed after considering two legal questions. First, does the government have authority to dismiss an action under subparagraph 2A if it declined to intervene during the seal period? The Court of Appeals held that the government has the power so long as it intervenes sometime later. And the court found that the government had satisfied that condition here. Second, what standard should a district court use in ruling on a subparagraph 2A motion? The Court of Appeals held that the proper standard comes from the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure 41A, the rule governing voluntary dismissals in ordinary civil litigation. And here, the Third Circuit ruled the district court had not abused its discretion in granting the government's motion. Held. 1. The government may move to dismiss an FCA, False Claims Act, action under 3730C2A whenever it has intervened, whether during the seal period or later on. A. The government contends that it may move to dismiss under subparagraph 2A even if it has never intervened. But paragraph 2, in which subparagraph 2A appears, refutes that idea. Unlike other FCA provisions, paragraph 2 does not say that it applies when the government is not a party. So the government can prevail on its argument only by implication, and the implication does not fit. Subparagraphs 2A and 2B grant the government uncommon power to dismiss and settle an action over the objection of the person who brought it. That sort of authority would be odd to house in an entity that has continually declined to join a case. And subparagraphs 2C and 2D presuppose that the government has intervened. Subparagraphs 2C enables the court to restrict the relator's role when needed to prevent interference with the government's prosecution of the case. And subparagraph 2D allows the court to restrict the relator's participation if the defendant would otherwise suffer an undue burden. Here, again, the premise is that the government has joined the case, else a court would be limiting the role of the defendant's sole adversary. Zoom out to the rest of section 3730C, and the government's intervention is irrelevant view looks even weaker. Section 3730C addresses the rights of the parties and contains four relevant paragraphs. Paragraph 1 states that it applies only if the government proceeds with the action, something that the parties agree cannot happen unless the government intervenes. And the paragraph concludes by stating that the relator may continue as a party subject to the limitations set forth in paragraph 2. It thus states that when the paragraph 1 situation obtains, the relator's role will be limited in the ways set out in paragraph 2. And the paragraph 1 situation obtains only when the government has intervened. So that is also when paragraphs two provision, paragraph 2's provisions, including the one about dismissal, kick in. In other words, the express intervention prerequisite of paragraph 1 carries forward into paragraph 2 through the subject to clause connecting the two. Only when paragraphs 3 and 4 are reached does the necessity of intervention drop away, as those paragraphs, unlike paragraph 2, specify the circumstances in which they apply. Paragraph 3 applies when the government elects not to proceed, and paragraph 4 applies whether or not the government proceeds. And just to pile on a bit, 
the government's alternative construction creates surplusage twice over, violating the interpretive principle that every clause and word of a statute should have meaning. See Montclair versus Ramsdale. So absent intervention, paragraph 2 does not apply, and the government cannot file a motion to dismiss. B. A straightforward reading of the FCA refutes Polanski's position that paragraph 2, as linked to paragraph 1, applies only when the government's intervention occurs during the seal period. Recall that the government can intervene either during the seal period or at a later date upon a showing of good cause. Section 3730C3. A successful motion to intervene turns the move-ons into a party, and once the government becomes a party, it, alongside the relator, does what parties do. It proceeds with the action. That phrase, again, is the trigger for paragraph 1. When the government proceeds with the action, it assumes primary responsibility for the case's prosecution. And for the reasons above, whenever that is true, paragraph 2 kicks in too. So the right to dismiss under subparagraph 2a attends a later intervention, just as it does an earlier one. Polanski's contrary argument mainly relies on paragraph 3, which provides that a court approving the government's post-seal period intervention motion may not limit the status and rights of the relator. That clause, Polanski argues, prevents the court from giving the government primary responsibility over the suit, including the power to dismiss. But on Polanski's reading, the paragraph 3 clause would effectively negate paragraphs 1 and 2. The government, even though now proceeding with the case, would not acquire the control that paragraphs 1 and 2 afford in that circumstance. Polanski's construction would thus put the statute at war with itself. United States versus American Tobacco Company. Instead, the clause is best read to tell the court not to impose additional extra statutory limitations on the relator when granting the government's motion, ensuring that the parties will occupy the same positions as they would have if the government had intervened in the seal period. And that view fits the FCA's government-censored purposes. Congress knew that circumstances could change and new information come to light, so Congress enabled the government, in the protection of its own interests, to reassess litigation and QTAM actions and join in a case without having to take a backseat to its co-party relator. 2. In assessing a motion to dismiss on FCA action over a relator's objection, District courts should apply the rule generally governing voluntary dismissal of suits in ordinary civil litigation, Rule 41A. The federal rules are the default rules in civil litigation, and nothing warrants a departure from them here. To the contrary, the FCA cross-references the rules, and this court has made clear that other rules also apply in the ordinary course of FCA litigation. The application of Rule 41 in the FCA context will differ in two ways from the norm. First, the FCA requires notice and an opportunity for a hearing before a subparagraph 2A dismissal can take place. Second, in the FCA context, 
The set of interests the court should consider in ruling on a post-answer motion is more likely to include the relators, as the relator may have committed substantial resources to the action. But even so, the Third Circuit was right to note that the government's motion to dismiss will satisfy Rule 41 in all but the most exceptional cases. And here, the government gave good grounds for thinking that the suit would not do what all QTAM actions are supposed to do, vindicate the government's interests. Absent some extraordinary circumstance, that sort of showing is all that is needed for the government to prevail on a motion to dismiss. Affirmed. Justice Kagan delivered the opinion of the court in which Roberts, Alito, Sotomayor, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Barrett, and Jackson joined. Kavanaugh filed a concurring opinion in which Barrett joined. Justice Thomas filed a dissenting opinion. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to hit subscribe, uh, leave a review, share with your friends if you're interested in the case. Um, and I'd be curious to see if, if you all are listening on single speed, double speed, half speed. I, I like to listen on double speed. So if you uh, want to offer your thoughts, scotusdecisions at, at gmail.com is our email. And that's scotusdecisions at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. And it'll be a busy couple of weeks.